All right, boys, are you ready? Yeah. Okay. Bedtime Story Adventure 2018, Chapter 22. James had expected the trouble to come from the tunnel in front of him, where the rats had scurried away. But it was Roscoe running from behind, feet ringing on the metal platform, that brought the news. "'Jenny needs you,' he said, pointing back past the children streaming out into the main chamber. Leaving Wilf in charge of the gang, James ran to the smaller tunnel, ducking his head as he went in, torch shining in front of him. He reached the little metal door and pushed it. It didn't move. He crouched to look through the round porthole. The little room had a light on, hanging from the ceiling. It must have live power. Jenny was standing in an ankle-deep puddle in the middle of the chamber, holding a fat, rickety-looking cable in her hands. Half of the end of the cable was covered in tape and putty. The other half was bare wire. Beyond her, he saw another door. It was open at the far side of the room. He hammered on the door. She looked over. "'Can you get to the other door?' he shouted. She said something back, but he couldn't hear it through the door. She couldn't move. He saw that now. The free end of the cable only reached about as far as her head. It wasn't long enough to get to the other door. If she dropped it, then the whole room would be electrified.' including the metal tunnel James was standing in, and the main chamber with the rest of the gang. He searched the door with his torch. There was no handle on this side, just a square spindle sticking out that wouldn't turn. He barged the door with his shoulder. It didn't budge. It felt as solid as a boulder. There must be another way in. He pushed his face hard against the metal on the side of the porthole, desperately looking for another tunnel. All he could see was the far door. The water had risen slightly and was now at the bottom of her shins. Jenny started to cry, hugging the cable tight to her chest as she sobbed silently. James looked at the water, the cable, then the far door. He had to get in to help her. The water was dirty looking, not clear. It was seawater. He had an idea. Banging on the door to get Jenny's attention, He held up five fingers, then mouthed the words five minutes as clearly as he could and gave her a thumbs-up sign. She gave a weak smile. He didn't want to leave her on her own, but he had to. He turned and scrambled back to the others. Get back to the gallery, he said, running past them. Wilf, Fred, make sure everyone makes it, and check in with Hugo when you get out. I don't want anyone left down here. What about Jenny? Elsie said. I'll take care of her. Now go. James sprinted ahead of them through the tunnel. He hoped they would be fine. The only worry was rats, but Wilf's whistles should do the trick. As he ran, his torch flicked wildly in front of him. He was grateful for Frank's glow sticks. He reached the ladder in less than two minutes and was out of the gallery thirty seconds later. "'Check the others when they come out,' he shouted at Hugo and Eleanor. "'Make sure they're all there.' He threw his coat down and grabbed his bodyboard, mask and fins as he went past. Running at full speed onto the pebbles, there was no time to get into his wetsuit. He ripped his clothes off as he ran, leaving them strewn across the beach, until he was hobbling across the pebbles in his underwear. At the water's edge, he dumped his board, pulled on his mask and his fins, and made sure the squiducken key was safe round his neck. The waves were bigger now, and without another thought, he picked up his board and frog ran awkwardly in fins through the shallows 
then threw himself and his board over a breaking wave into the December sea. The front end of the bodyboard dug in and cold water surged over his head and shoulders. The shock was terrible. He gasped, inhaled a mouthful of water, half spat, half swallowed it, and started swimming hard. The fins had taken a few extra seconds to pull on, but they would save a whole minute on the swim out to the pier. After a few hard kicks, he saw a bright orange object in the water and steered round it. Nice day for it, the orange object bobbed up. It was the head of Eleanor's dad. Enjoy. James grunted and powered past. His legs were aching already, but as he neared the corner of the pier, he didn't feel so cold, except when the water splashed his neck. That still felt icy. When he got to the corner girder, there was no squiducken face. He almost panicked. Had he somehow become confused and gone to the wrong one? Then the swell dipped and he could just see the top of the squiducken. The tide had risen and covered it up. He was in the right place. This was it. His one chance to save his friend. If old Joe was right, there was an entrance to the caverns beneath the water. If he was wrong, Jenny would have no hope of rescue. He took two deep breaths, then another, this time with a long, calm exhale. Then he took a last deep breath held it, and dived under the water. He ignored the cold hammering through the back of his head and biting at his face. He reached out and grabbed the girder and pulled himself down it, kicking his feet to propel him deeper under the water. Just as he saw earlier, the girder widened. It was hard to see in the cloudy seawater. He felt the wider metal surface, hoping to find a keyhole. As he went deeper, it got quickly dark as less light from the sun could reach him. He was never going to find the keyhole. But the darkness helped. He first saw the glow coming from behind him. When he looked, it wasn't behind, it was from his chest. The squiducken key was glowing, green in the murk. He held it in front of him to light the secret door that old Joe had told him about. And the corresponding glow appeared, up and to the right. The keyhole. He was almost out of breath, and considered going back to the surface and returning. But his five minutes was up. He needed to get to Jenny. He ignored his impulse to breathe and pushed the key into the hole and turned it. The metal swung toward him and he swam inside, into the dark. The door clanged shut behind him. The need to breathe overcame him. Inside the small dark space he was still underwater. The urge to survive took over, and he kicked hard upward and pushed his hands against the rusty sides. He had to breathe, and opened his mouth and sucked in a mouthful of... Air. It was air. Metallic, stale, sea-smelling air. He breathed it. He was alive. And the water level was dropping, taking him with it. He dropped past the door and saw metal rungs under it. Still the waterline lowered until at last his finned feet touched the bottom. The green glow from the squiducken key was enough to see the narrow space. He was standing on a solid metal grate with a door in front of him, like the one he'd seen Jenny through, only this one had a round handle like a steering wheel right in the middle. He quickly pulled the fins off and turned the handle anti-clockwise. After two full rotations he felt the door release and pushed through it. He was in another metal tunnel, like the one to Jenny's chamber. Wet and cold, he made his way along it, the green glow from the key fading until he was in almost complete darkness. 
he wished he had his torch. Then he came to a crossroads where his tunnel opened out on either side. Which way should he go? His bare feet touched something that wasn't metal. It felt warm. He touched it with his finger. It was rubbery, like a rubber glove. The cable. Jenny, he called out. James, came the response. She sounded close. He followed along the cable until the tunnel turned right. Then he could see a light ahead. He rushed to the open door. James, Jenny said. You came. More like seven minutes, though, not five. She smiled, but she really didn't have much to smile about. The water was up to her middle, with about two feet of the cable still sticking out. We need to keep the cable out of the water, James said, or insulate it. There's not enough putty or tape, Jenny said, but I've had an idea. If you can cut the cable before it gets to this room, then you'll break the connection and I can drop this. Good idea, James said. The cable runs through the tunnel out here. Have you got any wire cutters? In my pocket, she said. And take my gloves too. Won't do either of us any good if you get electrocuted. She was right. He was still soaked. Should I hold it and let you cut it? He asked. You don't look as if you want to spend any more time in the water, she said. And if this touches your wet skin, that would be bad. She was right again. He was shivering and his skin was wet and white. He waded in, carefully peeled off Jenny's gloves one at a time, and got the wire cutters. He also took her torch. Back in the tunnel, he backtracked and found the cable. A few metres before the room, it snaked into a pipe. Using the wire cutters, he cleared the rubber insulation and started snipping through the myriad of smaller wires that twisted around each other. After cutting through a dozen wires, James got into a rhythm. After five minutes, he'd finished. Done it, he said, moving back through to Jenny's chamber. You can drop it. Are you sure, she said. What if you missed one? There was no harm in risking anything. The two children kept the end of the big cable out of the water and pulled through some more slack, freed up from James's cutting in the corridor. Once they had enough slack, they propped the cable against a pipe on the wall careful not to let any metal touch any other metal. Can we get out that way? Jenny asked, pointing back to the door to the pier. James really didn't fancy another swim. Maybe, he said, but I'd rather not. They searched in the water and found the round handle that the rat had unbolted. By pushing it back onto the spindle on the door, they could turn it while they held it in place. Hang on, James said before they went through. He went back into the chamber, waded across to the other side and closed the door, spinning its handle to lock it. They took the loose handle through with them and used it to lock the little door from the other side. Then they went quickly back along the tunnels and up the ladder to the gallery. James was still freezing in his underwear and swim mask. Jenny was soaked from her armpits downwards. They emerged into the gallery's toilet. James closed the trapdoor and put the lino back and they left the gallery. James and Jenny, all present and correct, Hugo said as they came out, scribbling into his notepad. Thanks, Hugo, James said through chattering teeth. Eleanor's dad walked up the beach and passed them. You're brave going in in just pants, he said. Then he looked at Jenny, dripping water all over the stones. And you're crazy. He shook his head and walked back to the gallery. James fished his wet towel out of his rucksack and wrapped himself up. The rest of the gang gathered round. Mission accomplished, he said. Now for the wolf.